Welcome back to the 51st episode of the Headkick KO podcast. We're back after a long break. Obviously, this was the UFC's annual um, about a month off for the holidays. So hopefully everyone had a happy holiday, but we are back. And today we're taking a look at UFC Fight Night, Giga Jikatse versus Calvin Cater. And after that, we are going to be taking a look at next week's fight card, which is UFC 270. And I'm going to give you my early thoughts and predictions for that card. So to start us off, Giga Jikatse versus Calvin Cater. This was a tremendous performance by Calvin Cater. Um, he's taken the last year off after his fight against Max Holloway. And in this fight, um, we saw a lot of improvements. And it also helps that you're not fighting Max Holloway. So he looked a lot better in this fight, obviously, like I just said. Um, but I really, really liked the game plan that he came in with. If you look at the game plan by Calvin Cater, he, the whole game plan was to eliminate the kicks of Giga Jikatze. And I think he did that very well. Actually, I, I know he did that very well because we didn't see as many kicks from Giga, especially from rounds two through five. We didn't see very many kicks. Uh, we saw some kicks early in the first two minutes or so of that first round. But after that, we saw very few kicks. And that's Giga's best tool. So any anytime you're able to take away your opponent's best tool, obviously you came in with a great game plan. And that game plan was he was going to crowd the kicker. It sounds very cliche, but um, it's a lot easier said than done. And Calvin Cater came in and he stayed in a perfect range all night. Um, there were very few times where he was in a bad spot in terms of range. So, um, you know, and on top of that, he stayed in that range while walking Giga down. And when you're moving backwards, it's a lot harder to throw a kick. And Giga was backpedaling all night. And another thing that um, kind of helped Cater was that Giga did not want to stay up against the fence for long periods of time. So anytime that Giga got his back to the fence, you would see him kind of pick, a, pick an exit and, and either go left or right. That also... Um, both wears you down in terms of stamina, and it also makes it harder to throw kicks. And in those moments where Giga was not doing that, where he wasn't getting his back off the cage, Calvin Cater was capitalizing, throwing some really good shots. So a tremendous game plan, and Cater also threw a lot of really good elbows. And this is a skill that Calvin Cater has had his entire career um, we didn't really see it that much against Max because against Max, uh, Cater was moving backwards a lot. Um, and, and when you're moving backwards, much like throwing a kick, it's hard to throw an elbow while you're, while you're going backwards. So for Cater, moving forward, he was able to utilize his elbows a lot better. And some of the biggest shots that he landed in that fight were, fight were elbows. Um, the spinning elbow that he landed in the second round was by far the biggest shot of the night. Um, he landed two or three other spinning elbows that landed very solid. Um, and, and what I love so much about Kelvin Cater's elbows are that he throws them in an interesting way. And they're a lot more like a punch um, in, in comparison to other people's. Obviously, 
um, it's not a punch, but he throws it. He throws his elbows with the ferocity, uh, like it's a punch. You know, the range of motion that you see, the path that that elbow comes, and, and the and the pure, um, you know, violence he throws elbows with. When he throws an elbow, he's trying to knock you out. I think maybe even he throws more elbows that have knockout intention than he does uh, punches. And for someone like Kelvin Cater to do that, well, Kelvin Cater is a very, very high-quality um, striker, and he has a, a lot of tools. So for the elbow to be his biggest go-to tool for the knockout, I think says a lot about his skills. Now, um, Cater in this fight, he really proved that he was he, he is, that is, a top guy in this division. You know, when you're, when you're looking at the rankings um, for this division, you've, you've obviously got Max and Volk, which I think everyone knows, have shown that they are one and two. And from there, you've got the guys like Brian Ortega, Yair Rodriguez, Korean Zombie, and Kelvin Cater uh, cemented himself once again within that top five. Um, I would also throw Zabit in there. Um, I just didn't say his name right away because he's obviously not ranked and we don't know if he's fighting, but um, Zabit would be in that uh, range of fighter. So I think he proved that he is one of those elite guys. And um, that's obviously anytime you can prove or reestablish that you are one of the elite, uh, you did something good. So um, overall, very impressed by Kelvin Cater. Now, Giga Chikadze is still a very young and talented fighter, right? Uh, he lost this fight, but I don't think he's down and out. Going in, he was a big favorite against a guy like, Cal- uh, guy like Calvin Cater, which says a lot about you as a fighter if you are ever favored against someone like Calvin. With that being said... Um, You know, the fight didn't go his way, but he had some moments, right? He still landed some good shots. He still landed a lot of shots. Uh, I think he had a pretty good amount of strikes landed, right? He just got outlanded, um, unfortunately. And um, he's not out of it yet. He proved that he has two things that are essential in the fight business and they're also essential in that 145 pound division that is a chin and that is toughness right you saw Volkanovski and Ortega both those guys major toughness Max Holloway major toughness Yair Rodriguez super tough Kelvin Cater super tough he proved that he is also a a tough guy that is not going to quit and you know that is one of the biggest boxes that you need to check off and you know we didn't really see that too much until now, but that's not a bad thing, right? It's not a bad thing that he won his last handful of fights all early and impressively. Uh, when you do that, your toughness doesn't get raised into question. So, um, But now that it has uh, and the chin has been raised into question, um, he passed both of those tests. So I think that Giga will be back, right? He had some good moments early in this fight. Um, he looked very sharp. Until Kelvin got that takedown from there, I think it was all Kelvin's fight. But um, he'll be back, um, and I think soon, right? He's not going to slide too far down in the rankings after a loss. Um, 
so he'll, he'll be back and we'll see him fighting elite talent again um, in his next fight. You know, there is no break at 145, so he'll be fighting someone really good his next time out. Now, what is next for Calvin Cater and Giga Chikatse? We're going to turn this into a little matchmaking, uh, matchmaking session for the 145-pound division because we really have a lot of unbooked guys. Um, this fight opened up two guys. Um, Volk versus Ortega, that opened up two guys, or, well, Volk's rebooked now, but we've got Ortega out there, Yair versus Max are both out there, we think we know what's going to happen with Max, um, but there's a lot of, a lot, a lot of names out there at 145 uh, that aren't booked, and another thing, don't forget about Dan Hooker, um, I'm really interested to see where they go with Dan Hooker uh, as he moves to that 145 pound division, so we are going to book Dan Hooker while we're doing this little matchmaking session. And we are going to start with Brian Ortega, as he is the highest-ranked guy at 145 pounds. And for Brian Ortega, I think that you go Yaya Rodriguez. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter call for Calvin Cater versus Ortega or Yaya. Uh, but for me, personally, I think that Brian Ortega and Yaya Rodriguez makes more sense Um I think that Yair's performance against Max Holloway uh, proved he, right now, is probably a little bit above Calvin Cater. Uh, Brian Ortega had some moments, and he has a very good win over the Korean Zombie. So if we're looking outside of Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky, I think that Ortega and Yair Rodriguez um, right now are probably the two best guys, so I think we should match them up. And I think that fight should take place in Mexico City. I said this after the uh, Rodriguez fight with Max Holloway, but yeah, Rodriguez versus Brian Ortega in Mexico City, I think um, would be very good for the sport. And I think that you could put that, um, you could even do a pay-per-view in Mexico. You've got Brandon Moreno, who is a champion. Um, maybe you do the flyweights on a fight night championship. They've done that before. Um, so we're really just going to have to wait and see. But I think Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez makes a lot of sense right now. And then um, Max Holloway. I did skip Max Holloway. We're not going to talk about Max Holloway because Max is probably going to fight Volkanovski or, Cal or the Korean Zombie next. Um, well, if Volkanovski wins, he'll, he'll fight Volkanovski. If Korean Zombie wins, you know, um, they'll probably do a rematch with Volk and Korean Zombie, and then we can talk about what's next for Max Holloway. But right now he's injured, so we're not going to book Max Holloway. Korean Zombie, he's booked with uh, Volkanovski. So the next highest ranked guy who we're going to book is Kelvin Cater. Now, in this situation, Kelvin Cater gets a little bit of a um, tough pull, you could say. Tough pull. Um <clears throat> You, you know, he doesn't get someone ahead of him in the rankings after that performance. Um, I'm going to say, you know, that the two names behind him right now also are Josh Emmett and Arnold Allen. But I'm going to say we do Kelvin Cater versus Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker and Kelvin Cater, that would be a absolutely tremendous fight. That would be a, a tremendous fight. So I think that's the fight to go. I think it's entertaining. And I think it's an appropriate test for Dan Hooker moving down to 145. Um, I don't think we should, you know, 
give him anything too crazy like a Max or an Ortega, but um, at the same time, we shouldn't make him enter, you know, in that 7 to 10 range. So I think that uh, Kelvin Cater makes a lot of sense there, and Dan Hooker is ranked 8th right now at lightweight. Um, You know, he probably should be ahead of Tony Ferguson. And for Dan Hooker, he has done the UFC two solids in a row. So I think the UFC does him a solid and gets him someone in that top five range right away. I think it's Calvin Cater. Now, the one way that those bookings could get a little bit scrambled is if the is if Zabit comes back. If Zabit comes back, they likely do Zabit versus Guillermo Rodriguez, and then you go Brian Ortega versus Calvin Cater. So Zabit could really throw a wrench in those plans, but that wouldn't necessarily uh, be be a bad thing either. And then moving down, the the two guys who you could make a case need top five fights are Josh Emmett and Arnold Allen. They both have looked really good as of late. Josh Emmett looked very, very good against Danny Ige. But right now, I don't think you throw them into the top five yet, just because everyone at top five, everyone in the top five, um, has a fight, and I think Dan Hooker um, should get that Kelvin Cater fight. So I think you book Josh Emmett versus Arnold Allen. Um, so I like that fight. Those are the two top guy, two top guys outside of the top five. A little bit of a little bit of a tongue twister, but uh, two really talented guys. And the winner would earn themselves a fight in the top five. And then, um, but I wouldn't be too mad if we saw Cater versus Emmett, Cater versus Allen, or Dan Hooker against uh, Josh Hammett or Arnold Allen. Um, Those fights would also be tremendous fights as well. And then, um, so that was kind of matchmaking the top seven and Dan Hooker. So now we're going to go, what's next for Giga Chikatse? Now, for Giga, um, I think the Dan Ige fight sitting right there at 9, you know, makes a lot of sense because Dan Ige is also someone who, you know, has gotten that shot to move into the top 5, right? And he's, he's, he's lost to Josh Emmett, and he lost to the Korean Zombie. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You can lose those fights. It's okay to lose fights, Um and Giga Chikatse, in a very similar position, was rising up the rankings very fast, loses to Calvin Cater. So I think that Giga versus Ige makes a lot of sense. Um, and then you have, because if you look after that, you have Edson Barbosa and Bryce Mitchell, both booked to fight each other. Um, and Giga has already fought Edson Barbosa. And you have Sadiq Yusuf at 12. I don't hate Giga versus Sadiq Yusuf or Dan Ige versus Sadiq Yusuf. Um... And then 13, 14, 15, Mozart Evelev, Shane Burgos, Alex Caceres, you know, um, none of those guys, I think, uh, get that, you know, bump to a top eight status yet. I think that they're going to have to beat uh, another ranked opponent uh, before they get someone in that eight to 10 range. Also, Ila Teporia is fighting this weekend. So if e, if Ila Teporia goes out there and gets a very good win against Charles Jordan, um, maybe they do Giga versus... Well, actually, they probably wouldn't because I believe they might be friends. Uh, Giga Chikadze and Ila Teporia are both from Georgia, not the state Georgia, the country Georgia. 
so I don't know if they're friends or not. Uh, I'm actually not really sure. But if Eli got a good win this weekend, um, he'll be ranked and maybe he gets his way because um, he's got a little bit more hype around him than, uh, you know, Caceres and Evelev and Schamburgos, who has won and lost some fights. Now, um, moving on, we're going to skip around a little bit. We're not going to talk about every fight on Kelvin Cater versus Giga Chikatse. So we are going to skip the co-main. We're going to move right to Brandon Royval versus Rogerio Bonterin. Always struggle saying Bonterin's name for some reason. But um, regardless, this was a very entertaining 125-pound fight. Uh, I feel like every time you book a guy in that top eight range, you end up getting a great fight out of it. Uh, This was no different. And Roy Vall got a very deserved win, right? Um, he had two very good rounds. I think he won very clearly 29-28. Now, um, the biggest question here is, did Bonterin tap when he was in that armbar? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really know. Um, he gave one very clear tap, right? Um, I think it has to be a repeated motion, Um Maybe he goes back up and it looks like he's going to go for a second. It's about as close as it can get to tapping without tapping. Um, I will say that. So I'm kind of undecided. Um, but thankfully, thankful, thankfully, um, this did not affect the outcome of the fight at all. Um, you know, Brandon Royval would have either gotten the win by sub there or he got the unanimous decision win. So we didn't lose out on a winner, right? The The guy who was supposed to win that fight won that fight either way you look at it. So I'm very happy about that. And that was a poor, that was, that was a bad situation that got avoided, which is always a positive. Now, there's lots of options at 125 right now. 125 is a very interesting division. And it's a tough division to matchmake because a lot of these guys have already fought each other on their way up. Just because of the nature of 125, we don't have a lot of fresh blood that comes in. We don't have as much fresh blood at 125 as we do at 35, 45, 55, and so on. So for Brandon Roy Vall, he called out the loser of Brandon Moreno and Devison Figueredo. Not a bad call-out. It's it's a realistic call-out that he can get, and he can also, you know, he might lose out on that fight. Um, either way, you know, there's positives there. Um, however, I think we're going to have to see how fight week plays out and how that fight turns out before we come up with that. Um, before we come up with that fight, just because, say, Deviceson Figueredo wins this fight, you know, do they do the fourth fight just because they're 1-1-1? One, one, and one? Do, Does Deviation Figueredo lose and move up to 135? I think that's a very possible option, especially if he has a bad weight cut, which is something that has affected him in the past. Uh, he's missed weight at he's missed weight once, I know for sure, against Joseph Benavidez. And I think in the first fight with Moreno, he had some weight cutting struggled and kind of weight cutting struggles and kind of blamed the loss on that. So um, who knows where we're going with Figueredo if he loses. 
Um, and if Moreno loses, they could do the fourth fight. So don't book yourself in on that one. But if if Figueredo loses and stays in the division, I'm cool with Royval versus Figueredo. Um, you've also got Askar Askarov and Alexandre Pantoja out there. You've got Alex Perez out there. You've got Kai Car France out there who's coming off. Um, you know, even if you don't like Cody Garbrandt, Kai Car France, you know, that's a high-profile win. So... I think you probably just go Askar Askarov versus Alexandre Pantoja. You know, maybe you do Brandon Royval versus Alex Perez or, or Royval versus Kaikara France. Um, I know some of those guys have fought each other, but right now we're getting to the point where, you know, we don't really have a, a lot, you know, uh, of options. And that's one of the reasons that I was really hoping Manel Cape would do well when he got to the USC. He's starting to turn things around now. But I really, I was really hoping for Manel Cape to get himself in that top five. Um, <clears throat> just so that... <clears throat> excuse me. Um, just so that we had a little bit more... Um, just so we had a little bit more um, parity in that division. Yeah, when you're looking at a guy like Brandon Royval, Royval in his last four fights, last five fights, that is, has fought Bonterine, Pantoja, Moreno, Kaikara France, and Tim Elliott. So we really, you know, he's fought the number, he's fought the champion, he has fought the number three ranked guy, you know, he's fought the number six ranked guy, and he just fought the number seven ranked guy. <clears throat> So maybe we go Alex Perez, you know. Um, I think you can do that a lot of ways, and it's going to work out okay. So I'm not going to spend too much time freaking out over how we book that 125-pound division. Now, the last fight we are going to talk about on UFC Fight Night Qatar versus Chikatse, that is going to be Caitlin Chikagian versus Jennifer Maya. Now, um, Chikagian came in, really, really good performance, really strong performance, got herself a strong decision victory, there was no doubt there, um, looked good with her hands, you know, she mixed in some wrestling, she did what she needed to do to win. Now, the question is, what is next for Caitlin Chikagian? Chikagian, it looks like, probably is going to be walking from the UFC, it looks like the UFC did not want to bring her back. Now, um, it's an interesting decision, but, you know, right now at 125, you know, that division is really in rough shape, and, you know, you don't want Caitlin Chikagian. I get where the UFC's coming from, because if Chikagian wins, you know, two more fights, you know, she's been at the number two spot, and she's beat a lot of those girls, um, so she's going to be on her way to another championship against Valentina Shevchenko. Now, problem with that is that first fight wasn't competitive. Um, you know, does that rematch do anything for the UFC? Probably not. <clears throat> so the UFC is probably going to let her walk. Um, the UFC probably is going to hope she signs with Bellator. Hope she gets that 125-pound belt because if she can do that... Then it makes the UFC champ look even better. And we don't have to worry about running it back with Valentina Shevchenko and Caitlin Chikagian. So, you know, um, 
you know, it's whatever. Uh, I wish she would stay in the UFC because I think she is one of the top fighters in the women's flyweight division in the world. She's probably, you know, top three at worst. So it'd be nice if she stayed in the UFC. But um, from a business standpoint, I understand why um, she's not going to stay in the UFC. Now, for Jennifer Maya, she's going to have to take on one of these girls behind her in the rankings. Maybe it's Talia Santos. Maybe it's Viviana. Oof, butchered her first name. Maybe it's Viviana Arjuno. Maybe it's Joanne Wood. Maybe it's Andrea Lee. You know, there's a lot of options there at that division. That division has a lot of unbooked fighters. And, you know, the matchmaking with the female divisions can be a little bit more unpredictable for whatever reason. Um, it's harder to pinpoint where the UFC is going to go next. <clears throat> and it doesn't help when um, they just fight less frequently, whether that's their the fighter's fault or the UFC's fault. You know, I don't know whose fault it is. But um, they f- women frequently fight less... Uh, that's frequently in the UFC, so uh makes it a little bit harder to book some of these fighters. Not all of them, obviously. Um, but, yeah. It's whatever. Yeah. Um, with that being said, we are going to move on from UFC Fight Night, Qatar versus Kikatse. Now, um, we're going to move right into UFC 270. And that is headlined by Francis Ngannou and Surreal Gan. Now, for me, this is a fight that is very hard to predict. You know, it's even hard for me to predict how this fight is going to go. Um, I can I can imagine a lot of different outcomes happening. I can imagine Surreal Gan going in and staying on the outside and really just throwing a lot of ones, a lot of twos, and really just trying to pick Francis apart. I could see Francis coming in, controlling the octagon, and landing big shots and putting Surreal Gan out early. I could see Surreal Gan trying to mix in some wrestling. I could see a lot of different outcomes here. And I I really have a tough guy, a, a tough time picking against Francis or Surreal Gan, right? Looking at what they have both done recently, I've been nothing but impressed, and I've seen very little flaws from both of them. So, um, if you were to ask me, hey, James, where can Francis Ngannou win this fight, and where can Surreal Gan win this fight, what weakness can they exploit? I don't know that I can give you one. You know, um, the biggest weakness of Francis was that he you know, could get taken down and held down, right? Well, Stipe tried taking him down, and it did not go well for Stipe when he attempted that takedown. And Francis showed some real improved ground game. Um, Surreal Gan has, you know, been almost unhittable, even when going against a power striker like Derek Lewis. So I'm really struggling to pick where this fight um Who's going to win this fight? And I think right now, right now I lean Francis Ngannou. And I say that because 
in the last fight with Stipe, I picked Stipe, right? And I felt really silly when Francis Ngannou won that fight. I did. I felt really silly for picking Stipe. And I feel like if I pick Surreal Gan and I and Francis Ngannou goes in there and knocks him out, I'm going to feel like an idiot because I know how talented Francis is. Um, so I'm going to lean Francis Ngannou by knockout. Uh, let's say round two. Now, is it possible for Surreal Gan to go in there and have a very impressive technical fight where he's very fast, very light on his feet? picks apart Francis Ngannou, and gets a five-round decision victory, I think that is a possible outcome, right? Is it possible for, for Surreal Gan to land a big shot and put Francis away? I think that's a possible outcome, right? I think there's a lot of possible outcomes here. I've said it 15 times already in, in two minutes, but um, this fight can go a lot of ways. Uh, but right now, I'm, I'm just leaning Francis Ngannou. Moving on to the UFC flyweight championship. We've got Brandon Moreno versus DV Son Figueredo. Now, um, I was going to watch tape for this fight, and I have UFC Fight Pass, right? So when you want to watch tape and you have UFC Fight Pass, you know, you shouldn't have any problems watching fights, but, you know, uh, the app wasn't working for me. You know, I was having some troubles getting UFC Fight Pass to work, so I didn't get to watch tape on this fight like I wanted to because I also really struggled to pick this fight. DBs and Figueredo is someone who I originally looked at as a person who could hold that belt, hold that uh, flyweight belt for a long time. Uh, you can go back and watch episodes. Um, probably it was, It's probably been a year now. It's probably since, you know, November of last year. Um, I was saying that Figueredo looked pretty unbeatable, right? Since he is tied with Brandon Moreno and lost to Brandon Moreno. Um, with that being said, all of these skills that made me believe that Devis and Figueredo was someone who could hold the belt for a very long time, all of those skills are still present. Uh, with that being said, he is facing someone who proved to have the ability to beat him. And for me, that makes this a very hard fight to pick. When I look at Figueredo, he still has the power. And he still has a very good uh, uh, jiu-jitsu game. And he has the ability to knock you out and submit you. You know, he has that nasty, nasty guillotine that he has finished several fights with. But at the same time, Brandon Moreno was the one who went in there and won that last fight. And... I'm uh, another reason it's hard to pick this fight is you don't really know what DV some figure it out you're gonna get you know uh, the last two fights we have uh, heard excuses right you know the the two excuses I believe we got were food poisoning and he was in the hospital before one fight and the other was that he had a tough weight cut and he was sick so Figueredo and his team have both tried to um portray this narrative that he was not fighting at 100%. With that being said, um, we can never know if he was at 100%, right? Could they be telling the truth? Yes. Now, if they're telling the truth and Devis and Figueredo was not at 100% and went out there and, and, and fought to a tie and then lost the second one, if he comes in at 100%, he's got a good chance to win, right? 
But if those were lies and those were those were their way of getting the rematch and the trilogy fights, then, you know, at that point, you know, I'm I'm less confident in Divi Figueredo's ability to get a win. So, um, with all that being said, I really just gave you five minutes explaining why I have no clue who's going to win this fight, but I'm going to lean Brandon Moreno. I think there's something to going out there and submitting someone um, early. I think it was in the second or third round he found that submission. So, um, for me, there's nothing that says you can't do that again. And um, when you look at the first fight, right, we saw the draw. The second fight, we saw um, Moreno win that fight. So we've gone from fight one to fight two, and we saw Moreno be the fighter to improve, right? Um, Now, it could swing back in Figueredo's favor, but then we're getting closer to a draw. And Moreno could still win out, you know, a, a close decision. And if it swings to Moreno's favor, if he keeps building on the momentum that he has, you know, it's going to look like another finish again. And so I think uh, I'm going to lean towards Brandon Moreno getting another finish in this fight. Um, I'll, I'll say he submits Devison Figueredo again, and we'll double down. We'll go, we'll go third round again. Same exact outcome. That's my prediction. Now, moving further down the main card, we have also, I'm looking at Tapology, and this is definitely not the correct bout order. So we're going to be skipping around a little bit, but next fight we're going to talk about is Ila Tuporia versus Charles Jordan. Charles Jordan is stepping in and taking this fight on short notice, right? Um, that's the first thing to note. With that being said, Ila Tuporia was supposed to fight Mozar Ivalev. Um, and now he's fighting Charles Jordan. Now, the the interesting thing about that is that that is a big stylistic change just from one fight to another. Um, and Charles Jordan is someone who has really looked very impressive on the feet in his most recent fights. And, you know, um, Ila Teporia, on the other hand, is someone who I have been impressed impressed with for, I think, since he beat Yusuf Zalal. Um, he's looked very good in all of his, his fights since. So... I'm leaning with Ila Teporia here. I think he's going to be able to get a finish in this fight. I think he knocks out Charles Jordan. As much as I like Jordan and think he's a very good striker, I just think Ila Teporia right now is someone who is going to be a problem at 145. I think Ila Teporia will eventually be a top 10, maybe even a top 5 fighter in that division. And I don't think Charles Jordan has that same ceiling. Well, I think he can be a talented guy in the UFC for a long period of time. I just think that Ila Teporia, at the end of the day, is the better fighter here. Now, um, 
Moving on, Michel Pieda versus Andre Fialo. Now, once again, another short notice replacement. Michel Pieda was originally supposed to fight... I don't remember. Let me look. He was originally supposed to fight Muslim Salikov. Um, I believe he is ranked at... Yep, he is ranked 15th in that division. So this is a big loss for Michel Pieda. He went from fighting the guy who was ranked 15th at 170 to fighting a guy making his UFC debut. With that being said, Andre Fialo is the number one ranked um, regional fighter in the United States um, at welterweight, right? So Andre Fialo is someone who is looked very highly upon in the regional MMA circle. You know, his last four fights, he's got wins, knockout, first round, knockout, first round, knockout, first round, knockout, second round. Um, And his second round knockout was against James Vick. And as much as James Vick, you know, um, gets made fun of by MMA fans for not being great, that's still a fighter with UFC experience that he beat um, on the regional scene. So I always think that that is impressive. And, you know, I really think this is probably going to be a lot closer of a fight than people think. But I have seen Michelle Pieda be established UFC fighters. Um, and I think highly of Michelle Pieda. And I think we have seen improvements from him in every single fight, right? Every fight we see improvements, and I think we're going to see improvements again, and I think we're going to see Michelle Pieta go out there and, and get a win. Um, maybe he doesn't catch that knockout. Maybe it's just a decision victory. Either way, I think Michelle Pieta wins that fight. Now, Cody Stamman versus Saeed Nurmagomedov. This is a really interesting one. Because Saeed Nurmagomedov is obviously relative of Habib Nurmagomedov. And he's got some UFC experience. This is going to be his one, two, three, fourth, fifth fight in the UFC. And his only UFC loss coming to Ronnie Barcelos, who's someone a lot of people think highly of, right? Now, um, Cody Stammen, on the other hand, is also... A very talented guy who has only lost to the best fighters in the world at 135 pounds. He's got a loss to Marab, Jimmy Rivera, Aljamain Sterling. And then he's got a regional loss, um, which came in 2014. So who even cares about that? But losses to Aljamain in 2018, Jimmy Rivera in 2020, and Marab in 2021. So... To beat Cody Stammen, you have to be one of the best fighters in the world, right? Cody Stammen doesn't lose to bums, right? He only loses to the best of the best, even if he's not a ranked guy at uh, bantamweight. So, in this fight, I'm going with Cody Stammen. I think the experience of fighting, you know, some of those top guys is going to prove beneficial in this fight. And, you know... The Nurmagomedov names obviously known for their great grappling. Cody Stammen, no stranger. 
Obviously, like I just said, he has lost to Marab and Aljamain Sterling. Now, he did lose to those guys, but, um, you know, that experience of grappling with two high-level grapplers like Aljamain and Marab, I think, is going to prove beneficial, and I think he wins by decision. <clears throat> you know, even Marab didn't, didn't get that finish there. Um, well, Aljamain Sterling did, but that was a knee bar, right? So... Um, not to say that, you know, you know, he didn't get his back taken and, you know, choked out. <clears throat> now we have Rodolfo Vieira versus Wellington Terman. Now, if you don't know who Rodolfo Vieira is, he is a highly respected guy in the world of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu who has shown a lot of improvements in the world of MMA. He's up to eight and one in his last fight. He looked very very, very good, and I think he wins this fight as well. I think the improvements that I saw in his last fight um, are things that can't be overstated, right? He, he seemed a lot more comfortable in there, and he went out there. He seemed a lot more um, conditioned as well. I think those are all going to be things that help him win this fight, if you look at Wellington Terman, you know, he he hasn't had the best run in the UFC. He is 3 or he is 2 and 3 in the UFC with wins over Sam Elvey and Marcus Perez. So, you know, Wellington Terman isn't, you know, some world beater. So I think that Hadolfo Vieira is going to go out there and and find a, a submission win. What else do we want to talk about on this card before we get out of here? Trevin Giles is back. He's always a fun fighter to watch, so don't miss out on that. He's fighting a great prospect in Michael Morales. So um, <clears throat> a lot of really good prospects on this card, actually. Now that I take another look at it, you've got Taporia. Michael Morales is 12-0, coming off a Contender Series win and making his UFC debut. You have Gennardo Valdez, who is 10-0, and he's, you know, making his debut after a win on the Contender Series. You have Tony Gravely, who Tony Gravely is someone who, you know, is a really interesting fighter to watch because he um, he is... Uh, Tony Gravely is not who I'm thinking of here. Um, still, Tony Gravely, very impressive record and, and some nice wins on um, his resume. So he's, he's fighting. Um, yeah, he's fighting uh, this weekend as well. You have Trevin Giles, who I already mentioned. You have Kay Hansen, who a lot of people look highly upon at strawweight. She's fighting Jasmine. Um, not even going to try and pronounce her last name because I can't do it. Um, but she is 6-1 and one and another good prospect in that division. Ronnie Barcelos is on this card fighting Victor Henry. Um, <clears throat> and then you've got 
Jack Della Mandolin, who is 10-0 from Australia. You know, you have a lot of good prospects on this card. You know, there aren't a lot of bums on this card. So I think that even the fights you look at, they're like, ah, oh, this might not be, you know, the best fight. There's a lot of guys who are on impressive streaks. Um, Simon Oliveira also coming off a contender series win, making his UFC debut. So um, I urge you to even watch the prospects on this card. You may not have, this may not be the best pay-per-view for, you know, established talent that we've seen. It's got a great headliner, a great co-main. Um, it's rounded out with some nice fights on that main card. Um, but the prelims have a lot of really good uh, prospects that you should probably um, watch. So that is the... Actually, that's not the last thing we're going to talk about. I have one quick thing to say before we get out of here. The last thing I have to say is I have the biggest news um, on the MMA scene. We're not going to talk too much about it. It's Henry Cejudo, and a lot of people want to see him fight Alexander Volkanovsky. Here is the one thing I will say. Um, Henry Cejudo is not in the USADA testing pool, and it is something that I have not seen enough people talk about. Henry Cejudo is not in the USADA testing pool, and I, on this podcast, will not be talking about Henry Cejudo fighting people we're making a serious comeback until he is once again in the USADA testing pool or he has a fight booked. Because um, right now he's, he's got three months or four months of testing before he can even get in the octagon and fight again. So when you see news about Henry Cejudo, just make sure you remember, you know, hey, this guy's not even in the USADA testing pool yet. Just remember that. And that is the last thing I had to say before we ended this episode. But... Thank you for watching this episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. Next week, we will be back. We will be talking about UFC 270. And we'll talk about any other news that uh, is important that needs to be talked about. And we are out. And thank you for watching this episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. Goodbye.